The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening today. Thanks for joining us, and thank you also for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. Thank you for posting on our wall and for uh, emailing me and letting me know how things are going for you and your spirituality and recovery walk. And also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your unity community, your uh, recovery community, your other um, spiritual communities, your family and your friend know about Spirit of Recovery here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. I am just delighted to be able to broadcast on the topic of spirituality and recovery. And I love hearing from you and knowing that the guests that I'm bringing here, what they're talking about, their insights, their experiences, their authenticity are blessing you and opening up your mind and heart to new possibilities for spirituality, new possibilities uh, for your recovery walk. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people or teach or um, all of the above sometimes. And they're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. Uh, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. If you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. And uh, you can also listen via iTunes. Also, you can listen on demand. we got lots of great uh, podcasts. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery, and you'll find uh, lots and lots of great programs. And uh, you can listen at your leisure and just find out amazing things from amazing guests who are really walking their talk. I want you to know that 
Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, or you're just somebody that's interested, uh, curious about this process of addiction and recovery or spirituality, you are so welcome here. I'm very glad that you're here. And um, you're welcome to email in or call in a comment or a question for my guest on their topic and um, to participate in the program. I'm just very glad that you're here. I always, uh, too, want to make sure that family members and friends know that um, there is recovery for family and friends as well, that um, you can't, there are 12-step programs, there's therapy, there are um, all kinds of support groups and lots of information, so there are recovery supports for people that are um, working to let go of enabling and get in, grounded in one's own life. I also want you to know uh, on another note here that if you like what's happening on Spirit of Recovery or the other many great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can, if you would like to, support this nonprofit radio station financially. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and you can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution and that helps support the great programming on UnityOnlineRadio.org, which is a nonprofit venture. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I am a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, and 36 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and I am so grateful for that. It changed my life, and my life continues to be an integration of unity spiritual principles, recovery spiritual principles, and that um, opens my life up in rich ways every day. And uh, so I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that there were people in my life that cared about me enough to give me some information and uh, talk to me and share with me about spirituality and about recovery. And uh, it's just made all the difference. So I'm really grateful to be able to pay that forward and uh, bring you great guests and, and share information and love and support and energy and joy with you because I know that that makes a difference in your world and that you share in it also with other people. Today I've got a great guest. I'm going to welcome him back to Spirit of Recovery. He's been with us here a couple of times. And my guest today is Chris Shea. And uh, Chris is a person who has a, a variety of hats that he has worn and that he wears. And they all have to do with really supporting people in their spiritual growth. And um, I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. But what we're going to be talking about today is loving yourself is a spiritual action. You know, recovery means a whole new way of learning to love yourself. When uh, a person is in active addiction or when a person is enabling somebody else's addiction, uh, we're fearful and we're selfish. And uh, it may not seem that way on the surface all the time, but that's what's going on because the disease of addiction and the family aspect of that disease or if you're a friend of someone with that uh, disease, it's all, it's all about fear and confusion and confused responsibilities and what belongs to who. And uh, underneath it all, there's really a lot of fear and, and self, selfishness in, in a destructive kind of way. There's not really much self-love or self-care or self-nurturing going on. So uh, 
when uh, we enter recovery from whatever aspect of, of the disease of addiction we're entering, that begins to shift. What happens is that we begin to learn what it really means to love and nurture ourselves and how that's not selfish in the negative sense at all. In fact, that loving ourselves is an act of generosity and it's an act of spiritual growth and it's a powerful spiritual action and it's what really allows us to connect with other people. So uh, today Chris is going to be sharing with us about that and um, talking about how that psychological uh, sense of self-love and, and the spiritual self-love really do work together. Um, Chris is also going to be talking to us about self-confidence. He's got a real uh, recent blog post about that. It's, it's fascinating, and, and, uh, hey, and, and he'll be talking about that and also the concept of self-awareness. So let me tell you a little bit more about Chris before we start our conversation. Um, he is a nationally recognized speaker, and he's published in a variety of medical and clinical journals, and he is a nationally and state-certified addiction counselor, as well as a nationally certified life coach, and he uh, graduated from Washington Theological Union and St. Hyacinth College and Seminary, and currently he's the campus minister of a Catholic high school in Maryland, and he's also an adjunct uh, professor in the Family Studies and Community Development Department in the School of Liberal Arts at Tal. University, and he has uh, over 20 years working in the addiction counseling field as a clinician and administrator, and um, in, during that time, he oversaw the implementation of uh, treatment programs that integrated evidence-based treatments that would promote and support lifelong recovery. Before he uh, got engaged in clinical experience in the addiction and recovery field, he had a decade-long pastoral ministry as a hospital chaplain in Washington, D.C., and a retreat leader in the New England region. And today, uh, he blogs. You can find him, and he has, a, a again, a life coaching and a, a, a venture there where he a practice where he supports people. You can learn about him more if you go to www dot life's journey blog and it's life's there's no apostrophe l-i-f-e-s journey blog.com and also you can find him easily on facebook just go to life's journey blog on facebook and that'll open up um uh give you the information about his website and and so forth and you can read his blogs he's he's a pretty good blogger so um chris welcome back to spirit of recovery i'm glad you're here thank you and, and i'm very pleased to be here again and it's great to Always get a chance to speak with you and, and your audience, and I uh, really appreciate being back. This is uh, like the third time or something like that, so it's, yes, it's, it's wonderful. Is. Thank you. Yeah, good. Glad you're here. Yes, and um, one thing I forgot, and you can tell us uh, the address for this, but you also do you do a video podcast. So how can people uh, find your video podcast? I, know, I think they can access it through Facebook. Is that the best way, or what's the best way? Sure, they can get it through the Facebook page or uh, just go over to my website. And on the website, which actually is a newly redesigned website, so I'm open to uh, anybody's input. Um, but everything is on the uh, new website, so all the links to all the social media, to all the blogs, and uh, to that uh, podcast. Um, I try to post weekly. So, uh, you know, definitely have, uh, you know, a chance to check it out. Um, it's called On Finding Peace. And uh, anybody who, you know, whatever a person's podcast player happens to be, just put that in there on Finding Peace, and I will pop up. 
Great. That sounds great. I know you you really um, have some interesting topics and interesting guests on there. So hopefully our uh, listeners today will find that and uh, enjoy that as well. And I know they'll benefit. So um, today we are again talking about loving yourself is a spiritual action. And um, there are a lot of facets to this. Um, I know, Chris, that you're very interested in self-awareness and meditation is a, a practice for you that's very foundational. Um, talk to us a little bit about how there's a difference in kind of how we relate to ourselves when we're in active addiction or as family members in active enabling behaviors and what happens in recovery. Because, you know, again, Active addiction is selfish in the destructive sense. I don't know. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, as you say, the, this whole topic, we could go on for hours. It, it, it's very complex. Yet at the same time, there's a simplicity to it. You know, it's when you say, you know, you, you need to love yourself, uh, that in and of itself is simplistic. I think we complicate our lives so much that we take that phrase and make that very complex. That mm-hmm. to say, you know, loving yourself, you know, the, I mean, think of how many books and articles are out there, how many people give conferences on this. And, you know, you, you wonder what makes it so complicated. Um, when you throw an addiction on uh, top of this, that changes everything because when the addiction really takes hold and in, in my history, I've, I primarily deal with substance uh, abuse, so drugs, alcohol, but it, it really stems in, into any of the addictions. You know, I mean, now there's the Internet addictions and, and gaming and gambling and, you know, whatever you may have. But when you're in the active addiction, that takes over your whole thought process. And what happens is you are so guided into needing to get whatever you've been getting out of that addiction that that becomes the main focus of your life. And whether you want it to be or not, it is going to take over. In that taking over, you're going to end up doing whatever it is that you want to do and need to do to satisfy that addiction. That's going to cause a lot of people to do things that, apart from the addiction, they would probably not do. It would have people acting in ways that they may not typically act. As people begin to change the way that they act and behave, what we start to realize then is there isn't that room for the self-love because I'm not only focused now on my active addiction, but where I'm also focused is recognizing all of these negative things that I'm doing either to myself or to other people. And how can I love myself as I'm, you know, really doing sometimes very awful selfish things, sometimes things so against my values, but yet I'm doing it. And the more, you know, we reflect on that, the less that I can love myself. And actually, I might even start to hate myself. Right. 
Yeah, it's just it's it's like it, it, the whole. It's like almost in a sense you don't have any room for a real relationship with yourself. It's almost like inactive addiction again, whether it's on the family side or the substance addiction. You're you're kind of just in survival mode and doing whatever you have to do. So there's almost no yeah, room. Def- definitely survival mode is a good way to put it, and you know for the families what they tend to do is, is put their whole focus on, on the person with the addiction and that doesn't afford you time for self-love. Right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're too focused on, on the other and, and that's not necessarily negative. I mean, sure we should be focused on our loved ones. We should be, you know, trying to help people. I mean, that, that that's all laudable and, and, you know, but when it comes at the detriment of self, then we have a, you know, more of an issue where, we, you know, we need to set some boundaries in that sense of how much am I going to be able to help somebody who's suffering from the addiction and how much am I going to need to work on myself so that I don't lose who I am in the process. Right. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. Um, yeah, it's, it's finding that place of, of uh balance i guess so what's what is how would you uh, define self-love or or at least describe it i guess as a better uh way and and what happens when a person enters recovery well let me start by talk about the the latter part first um what i have found is as people begin to enter recovery one of the first stages that I see happen is the stage of the regrets, um, maybe some mild depressions as they start to realize all the negative things that they've done to themselves and to other people. One of the things that I've tried to work with individuals as, as they're moving on in, in the recovery is we need to differentiate who I am as a person from a disease that I have. And I do go along with uh, what the uh, American Medical Association has termed where the substance addictions are a, a medical illness. So what we need to do is separate ourselves. You know, we're, we're not our disease. We are affected by it. And to help them to understand that if you were not under the influence, would you have done these things? And if they can honestly look within you know, themselves and say, no, I, I would never act in that way if it weren't for me being high, drunk, whatever, then we start to say, well, see, this is who you are. So who you are under your active addiction, your active illness who you are as a destructive person, who you are not in the act of illness, that's your true self. So when there becomes some self-loathing and there becomes a lot of these regrets, what we you know, really want to have them focus on to say is, but that's not you. That's a person you were becoming. That to me is an important distinction and when you look at many other illnesses, we really don't define 
ourselves as the illness. If an individual has cancer, they normally don't introduce themselves as, hi, I'm cancer, uh, you know, hi, I'm heart disease. Um, but people with addictions, you know, hi, I'm an addict, you know, hi, I'm an alcoholic. I, I think we need to start looking somewhat at the terminology so that we can say that, yes, I, I do have that disease. So, you know, if I had cancer, it would be, you know, hi, I'm Chris, and I happen to have the disease of cancer versus, you know, this thing, I am addiction. Well, no, you are you who happens to have this disease of addiction. And it needs to be treated or else you'll be back under its influence and doing all those negative things. Once we can separate those two and, and help the person to understand you are you with, with all of your values and everything that, that's uh, good about you, now we can start talking about the self-love. And for me, what I, I think the, the biggest component of self-love and, and one that I think gets missed a lot, self-love also entails loving the entire person that you are, which means I love all the good in me, which I think we all get, but what about loving the not so good about me? How do you do that? That's hard. <laughs> That's very hard. That's way hard. But if, but if I'm going to say that I have self-love, if I'm going to say that I can love who I am, we're, we're not two separate people. You know, we're, we're, we're not a person who's good and a person who's not so good. We're a blend of those. So if I'm going to love me, I'm going to have to accept, and I think that's the key word, but I'm going to have to accept who I am in my totality. So that includes the good, the not so good, my history, which has its good moments and its not so good moments. Wrap it all together and say, yes, I can love all of that. But we're coming to an understanding eventually of saying I can love all of that because it's me and it's shaped me and who I am today is who I love. Those parts that need some more work, yeah, I love those parts enough that I'm going to put the effort into working on them. Mm -hmm. See, if I don't love those parts of me that I'm going to say, oh, I hate that part of me, so I'm going to push that aside. But then I don't work on that. So how do I grow as a person if I've pushed a part of me, the important part, actually, you know, if it's a part that needs work, I'm pushing that part away. I don't get to do the work so I don't fully grow. If I can embrace that piece and say, yes, I still love that piece. The only reason I'll love that piece because it is me. But because it's me and because I love it, I'm going to work on it. And I think it's similar to having a child who maybe is having some difficulty. We, you know, our first thought typically isn't to push them away. Our first thought is to say, I love my child so much, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help them. I'm not going to push mm -hmm. them away. Why do we do that with parts of us? That's a good point. You know, I really like what you're saying here because when you're talking about that, about working on parts of yourself that maybe 
whatever you don't like, or this is my word, maybe you're scared of, or whatever, mm-hmm. that that the very love is an action. It's the act of engaging. It's it you know, love isn't just sitting around kind of liking yourself or blissing out or whatever. It's an active involvement, just like what you're saying with the child. So I like that. That's that's good. Makes a lot of sense. It, it's it's something that you know I, I've been reflecting on when you know we look at this whole concept of love because for me and, and what's interesting is you know I, I've spent a lot of time studying disciplines that are very abstract, but in reality, I'm a very concrete thinker. So it, it, it's kind of bizarre that I enjoy the, the study of abstractness, but I, I always need examples to to make it concrete for me. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about very abstract concepts such as love, you know, I mean, what exactly is that? How do we make that concrete? You know, so when I'm mm-hmm. looking at that love of self, it, it, you know, how does that love show itself? You know, and so I start thinking of things like, you know, the child. Um, but I also think, you know, spiritually for myself, you know, from a, a Christian uh, perspective that, you know, when we read uh, the Christian Bible and, and you see, you know, what Jesus does, he's out and about with the people really who need help, you know, mm-hmm. and doesn't shun them. And, you know, you, you see in, like, current days, you know, somebody like Mother Teresa and people like that who don't shun that negativity away but work with that negativity. So why would we do the same to ourselves? I love that. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really, really good point. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, as you're saying, that, that engagement, uh, with aspects of ourselves that, that need help. You, mm-hmm. you know, Chris, one of the things that you, as I said earlier, and I know that's a big, important, uh, as a practice for you is meditation and, and, uh, and that, uh, Bring self-awareness, and you were talking about, you know, a little bit earlier uh, today about how when somebody gets in recovery, they have to make a distinction between who they are and the disease. How does or not, uh, I'm guessing it does, but you, you tell me how you see it, uh, like meditation, like prayer, which we know are, are if you're in a 12-step program, or certainly aspects of, of that uh, of a 12-step program and, and other modalities, uh, recovery modalities. But do those help or not, or how do they help a person to make that distinction between who they are and and the disease of addiction or enabling the family disease? Hopefully they do help. And, and in my history, I've seen the self-help groups be much more helpful than not in most cases. Um because what you find is the disease of addiction tends to be isolating. Even though you may use with others, and whether that's drugs, alcohol, whatever, you're still very much isolated, very much within your mind, within you know who you think you're becoming. That isolation is what also can draw us away from a sense of self-love. When we think of love, 
at least for me, loving compasses more than myself. You know, self-love taken to the extreme in the sense that it's a, a complete self-love wherein there is no love for others really leads into a selfishness uh, or a grandiosity, you know, that, that I am the end-all, be-all, and I'm so in love with myself. Where the self-love hopefully flows out of a person into loving others. And if we love others, we're going to want to help others. And, you know, when you look at active addiction, there isn't much of that outflowing. Mm-hmm. So when if somebody gets into recovery and you put them into a self-help group, a, a group of people who say to someone, hey, we're here for you. We may not know you. We don't know your history. Maybe I don't even know your name. But you know what? I'm going to help you. If you want my help, I'm here for you. And I think that example of somewhat of an unconditional love in in the sense that, you know, we don't need those conditions of knowing exactly who you are for me to, to love you and help you. That really sparks a lot for someone who coming off of, you know, the act of addiction has been isolated uh, and doing things in their own lives where they start to feel some of that self-hatred and, you know, start thinking, you know, themselves that, well, maybe I'm not lovable at all. And now all of a sudden I'm in a group of people who I don't know and don't know me, but they're saying, hey, we love you and we want to help you. So I think Mm -hmm. part of the reason for the success of the self-help groups is just in that expression in and of itself, that you're entering that room and you saying to the group, yeah, I'm struggling with this. And that's all you got to do. And the group comes back with, all right, we're here for you. Mm -hmm. That's powerful in and of itself. It really is. It's like, again, that because other people can reach out in love and, as you say, in that unconditional love, um, it sparks that ability to start the self-acceptance, to start um, the self-love. Because, as you say, in active addiction, again, whether it's the family aspect or the, the person that's got the primary substance or behavioral addiction, it's um, uh, you, 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 boy, you beat yourself up a lot and mm-hmm. – and, uh, and it, yeah, so it's a, it's just like walking into a, this the sunlight, I guess, in a way. It's amazing. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a, a tremendous feeling, you know, for a, a person to to say, you know, not only do I not love myself, but to go to that next level and say I am not lovable, and then to find out there's this whole group of people who are willing to love you, like you know. You can say if one person comes up and says, hey, I'll help you out, you know, I, I can show you this act of love. You can say, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, you're just a do-good or whatever. But to get a whole group of people, you can't just throw that away as this is nothing. So it starts to really say to the person, well, if they're seeing something in me and they don't even yet know me, maybe, and as long as I can get, the person in recovery to say that maybe, maybe I'm lovable. 
see, if I'm lovable by other people, we can then begin to work with that and say, well, then maybe I can start to love myself because there must be something in me that others are seeing. And eventually, right. you know, if you stay in the, in the rooms long enough, then you yourself start spreading that, that love. And, you know, that's a whole other level because once you can start spreading, uh, you know, the love and the help to strangers, there's got to be some level of self-love for you to be able to do that. Whether you recognize it or not, you can't really love and help another unless you've got some level of self-love. Right. That's a good point. We are at the midpoint here of our program today, so we're going to take a short break. Listeners, stay with us. Today, our topic is loving yourself is a spiritual action, and we're talking about what happens in recovery that propels us into really loving and nurturing ourselves and letting that love flow uh, through us to others and letting others the love through, of others flow to us. My guest today is Chris Shea, and Chris is an author. He is a blogger. He um, is a nationally and state credential addictions counselor. He is a campus minister, a trainer, a life coach, and um, you can learn more about him and, and the great work he does if you go to his website, uh, lifesjourneyblog.com, or you can also find Life's Journey Blog on Facebook, and you can read his uh, blogs. You can also access his video podcast, and uh, he's got lots of great material and a wonderful consciousness. So stay with us. We'll be right back in just a moment on Spirit of Recovery. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Weather forecasters can provide guesstimates based on scientific data, but in the end, we cannot know with absolute certainty what the weather will be until we live it. Life works the same way. We may think we know what's going to happen, expecting the best while preparing for the worst. We can keep a positive frame of mind and weather any storm because we are one with the ever-present miracle-working power of God. We are mightier than any circumstance on this earth because we are divine in nature and a part of the eternal. We live in a world where we can realize our possibilities because we know that with God all things are possible. And the way to keep our hearts and minds centered and focused on divine potentialities is through prayer. As author Frances W. Folks wrote in her book, Effectual Prayer, If the time of achievement seems long, pray. If the way seems dark, pray. If the results seem delayed, pray. Morning, noon, and night, pray. Pray without ceasing. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. For more than 90 years, Daily Word has helped people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Take advantage of our 30-day free trial of the digital edition. You'll receive access to the online magazine, a daily email with the Word for the Day and the Daily Word app. To sign up for the 30-day free trial, visit unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword.
Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you've joined us today. And if you've just tuned in, uh, our topic today is Loving Yourself is a Spiritual Action. My name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. And my guest who's sharing with us on this topic is Chris Shea. And uh, Chris is a life coach. He's a campus minister. He's a trainer. He's an author. And um, he is a nationally and uh, state certified addictions counselor. And he has had many, many years in the addiction recovery field and um, in supporting people in a variety of ways in their spiritual growth and in their recovery process um, in, uh, in many varieties of that. You can learn more about what he does and access uh, his blogs and his uh, video podcasts if you go to lifesjourneyblog.com and you can also uh, find Life's Journey Blog on Facebook. Before I get back to my conversation with Chris, I'd like to invite you to join me in a brief moment of meditation, the Serenity Minute, where we'll have a, a relax, uh, share a constructive idea, and then just take a moment in the quiet, just a brief moment to relax and open up to that presence of our higher power as each of us understands it. So I do invite you to become aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out. Allow yourself to relax just gently and easily, feeling relaxation moving from the crown of your head, allowing your uh, relaxation to move through your face and neck and shoulders and arms and hands. Feel relaxation moving all the way through the trunk of your body, all the way through your legs and feet. And allow your mind to relax. There's no need to try to force your thoughts away or to try to make them stop. Just simply let go and they'll move gently to the edges of your awareness. And you'll find that place in you that's always there, that place where you feel the quiet. So I invite you to share with me this constructive idea I feel the flow of love energy in my life. I feel the flow of love energy in my life. And now we take just a moment in the quiet. Hello, friends. We're coming to the close now of this time of meditation. So I invite you to very gently move back into a waking awareness to be aware of yourself present in this moment, in this time and place. Bring your awareness up behind your eyes and be fully awake and present. And I do trust and hope that that was a moment for you to become aware of your 
self and of your higher power. So now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Chris Shea, about loving yourself as a spiritual action. So, Chris, um, I know meditation and daily meditation is a very uh, foundational part of your personal practice. And I know uh, uh, a practice and an idea that you share with other people is a real uh, key to self-awareness. And self-awareness is a part of loving yourself. You, you were kind of talking about that earlier today on the program. So tell us a little bit about meditation, why you think it's so important, and uh, how it's part of, of self-awareness and self-love. Well, for me, what I, I've found as I get older and, you know, as technology is changing, it, it seems that we're living in a much louder world. You know, things are always noisy. There's always some sound or some distraction or something going on. And what I I begin to find within my own self is all of those noises and distractions and the technologies, they add a, a layer of stress. What I notice is if I can take some time out of my day, and I would encourage everyone to do some form of, of you know meditation wherein you take time to silence yourself, silence as much as you can the noises and everything around you, and just spend time in that silence. And what you experience is what you experience. I'm not saying to control breathing. I'm not suggesting to control your thoughts. Just see what's going on with yourself. Now, there's different ways of doing the meditation. What I find personally is walking um, when I can, walking by the water, walking through the woods, or just walking down the street. That tends to calm me in the movement and calm me in trying to notice the small things around me. Because if I start to notice as I'm walking some of the, you know, either branches or leaves or bugs or animals or or whatever it may be, any of those things that I'm noticing is helping me to focus on the small. And through that focus, I can start to clear my mind enough that I can start to focus on what's going on inside of me. In all of the clutter of that noise, a lot of times we miss what's going on with ourselves. So the more that I can get to know and understand who I am through as much as possible getting through the clutter, that's where I really believe that then the next step within ourselves is where that self-love uh, you know, creeps in because I start to see those good things about me and yeah, those not so good things about me, but you know, I, I start to see that maybe I'm, you know, a little bit better than I thought I was in, in the sense of, you know, who am I as a person? What's my comfortableness with, with who I am and, you know, and, and then start making, you know, those plans and well, what do I need to change about myself? You know, well, where can I improve? Um, and we all have those things, you know, that there, there's always aspects of ourselves that, that we could do better with. 
but it's in it's in that quiet that we can find that uh, the distractions. We're just not looking at self when it comes to everything else. Right. You know, when you say that um, about knowing what's going on inside of yourself, uh, sometimes when people are, are new in recovery or maybe, you know, it, it doesn't, it could be different things. Some people might think, well, what in the world is he talking about? What does he mean? What's going on with me? Um, so I, T- tell us about that. I mean, I, I guess from my perspective, I'd say, well, I notice mm-hmm. what I'm feeling or I notice I just have thoughts. I don't know. But what do you mean by that? Again, some people just naturally, oh, that's easy for them. They get that. And other people are like, I have no idea. What do you mean what's going on in me? I don't live there. Tell, so tell us more about that. Cause- yeah, and, and, and I appreciate that statement because what, when I first started getting in, into meditation and I was told, well, okay, you know, go sit somewhere quiet and meditate. I was like, well, what do I do? And I was like, well, just meditate. Well, okay, what does that mean? So, yeah, for me, when we say, you know, notice what's going on, this is where another term kind of comes in, the mindfulness. And, you know, that that's something that uh, I try to practice and encourage others to do. But all that the mindfulness is saying, what the meditation is saying is, if I can quiet the outside noise enough, for me to see within myself, what am I feeling? What physical sensations am I having right now? What emotional sensations? What are the thoughts that are swirling in my mind? You just take all of that as it is. One of the things that mindfulness would say is that we, we would accept all of that non-judgmentally. In other words, I'm going to just take it as it is. I'm not going to say this is good, bad, or otherwise. Just to say, okay, this is what my body's feeling right now. This is what I'm feeling emotionally. These are the thoughts in my head. None of this is good, bad, or otherwise. It just is. And spend some time just noticing what is, because that's what's in the present moment, and that's what, you know, we we tend to miss those things. Now, after you've noticed that non-judgmentally, we can get a little judgmental in the sense of saying, well, you know, is there a part of me that I I don't like the way this feels? You know, why don't I like the way this feels? And then we can start to do some of that internal work of trying to figure out what are those areas of my life that I, I need to do better with. Or maybe I can start to notice what my stress reactions are. So if I'm doing this and I notice my heart rate is up and my breathing is up and I'm just spending time non-judgmentally, just noticing those things, then I can start to say, all right, why is my breathing up? Why is my heart racing? What's going on? Is it something I've recently eaten or something I've drank? Is it something, you know, maybe I need to look at my thoughts? You know, what what are these thoughts swirling around? Could they be leading to some of these physical, you know, reactions? Once I start making all of these connections, then I, I have this idea in my head, well, what can I start to do different if I don't like how that feels? So is it some of the thoughts that I need to rework? Is it maybe changing diet? You know, what do I notice that I need to change so that the things I don't like that are going on, I can make better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's good. Um, and as you say, it's that self-awareness, that quieting down the outer is just a real key to personal growth and to, to spiritual growth, for sure. And and it's so, amazing to me how much noise there is around us. You know, when power goes out, one of the first things that I notice is how quiet it gets. You know, it, it mm-hmm. just amazes me, and I, I didn't notice it when I was younger, and it might just be because I was younger, but it, it amazes me how quiet, once you kill the power, everything is. There, there's mm-hmm. hums and, and things going on around us that, that we don't even hear anymore until they're not there. Right. Yeah. That's uh, I, I don't know point. what that's doing to us, but that's another topic. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and and you know, if anybody listening has you know ever had that where like power goes out while you're sleeping, you know, when you know you, you immediately wake up and why? Well, it's because the noise has changed. You know, they mm-hmm. they don't exist. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's really true. So tell us. I mean, all of this is is about spirituality, really. But tell us a little bit more about that. Like, how is it that get to know yourself, love yourself? What's what's spiritual about that? Well, I think we have to start by looking at how we're going to define spirituality. And spirituality is different from religion. So when we look at a spirituality that's, you know, a part of myself that I can notice is greater than who I am, that there is something out in this world greater than me, there's influences greater than me. Religion is the rules and regulations of how I practice a spirituality. So I just want to make that kind of clear for people that, you know, you can be spiritual without following a religion. Um, So however that works for everybody in, in their own lives. But when I look at that sense of spirituality is love as an abstract concept is going to lead me outside of myself. So the more that I can begin to accept who I am, again, the good, the not so good, but if I can accept who I am and then begin to love that, that love just automatically overflows into other people. It's through that flowing into other people that makes it greater than who I am. So if it kind of makes sense, and I know I'm getting a little abstract, which I said earlier I don't like to do, but, you know, it's, I can't really contain that love. You know, it's like if you think about, you know, when you've had like this best news ever and you just got this news, you are just bursting to tell anybody. You know, you'll tell the stranger on the street if that's the first one you run into. That's kind of what the concept of love is, which means it's greater than me. So if I can find that quiet time to meditate, and however that is, you know, again, whether it's sitting somewhere or it's walking somewhere, whatever that means for you, but the quiet time to understand who I am, in the understanding, I can accept me, and as I accept me, I start to love me, that love overflows. That, to me, is the spiritual 
And that begins to make all the difference because once I can start helping other people, yeah, I'm still focused on loving myself, but it's not a selfish love. It's a love that I'm giving to others. So that becomes that gift. That's really where I think we culminate in in that spirituality because I'm taking something greater than myself and I'm going to actively, consciously give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And even if that yeah. means that, you know, I, I'm going to sacrifice in some way, and maybe it's just sacrificing my time, but, you know, in some way I'm, I'm going to sacrifice something of me to be able to give you this gift. But I, I'm glad about that. You know, I'm at peace about that. I'm happy about that. I want to do that. Um, it's not a burden for me to give, you know, sacrifice something for you. That becomes spiritual, greater than who I am. Well, yeah, I like that. It's that's that's really uh, it's beautiful. I like it a lot. Thank you. I yeah. hope it was too abstract. Cause I don't do abstract. Yeah, no, it got you got <laughs> you grounded it in. So one the one thing I do want to talk about here too today uh, is Chris. You wrote a really good uh, blog that was posted on June the second, so just a few days ago, and it's the title of it is "How I Became Self Confident and Happy." I love that. I love that title. And you're talking about self confidence and how it's really uh, kind of a separate concept from self love, and may or may not uh, necessary. They're, they're different a little bit. So tell us a bit about that, about how you became self confident and happy. What that means? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to throw in that happy piece. Um, and, and I, I think there, there's trueness in that. You know, I mean, that, that's why I, you know, would throw that in there, but, uh, um, you know, I, I wrote that blog piece, uh, because I, I was, and then I begin the piece this way too, but, you know, I, I was asked that question about, you know, somebody was, was saying, you know, well, you seem very self-confident and, you know, have you always been this, this confident? And it, it kind of took me aback because, you know, I, I tried to reflect on, well, how do I answer this person? And I thought to myself, well, I, I don't think I'm self-confident. You know, why are they seeing a self-confidence? Right. Well, that was something I needed to do some meditating on because there was, there was something in me I, I wasn't quite getting. But when I do look back and look through my history and, and see that, you know, a, a good chunk of my life was somewhat happy, we can say, but it it was filled with being very shy, being somewhat isolated, and not really feeling confident. And and what I mean by that is I always looked at everybody else as the authorities, as the experts. Even, you know, as I go through my career and, and go up the ladder, so to speak, and you know, the longer I'm in my career, the more you, you get to know by experience and the knowledge. I, I still always looked at myself as the novice, the, 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 the newcomer. And everyone else around me had all this wealth of knowledge. And where did they get it? Um, but that's where, as I reflected on, you know, the, this answer to that person, you know, of, of where does this come from? That's one of the things that I began to notice that, People who have this degree of self-confidence don't necessarily know everything. What, what I began to realize, especially in the addiction field, and that's what I'm around the most, but 
people know what they know and they're willing to share what they know, but that might be all that they know, which is fine. But in my mind prior to that, it was, well, they knew everything about the addiction field. Well, no, they might have specialized in one piece, and they know that one piece very well. Where I might know a piece very well, but not everybody else knows that piece very well. And what I began to realize is when I started giving conferences to peers, which totally freaked me out, because, again, I'm thinking, what knowledge do I have that they don't? You know, I shouldn't be up here talking to them. It should be the other way around. But then you start to realize, but wait, I've got some experiences and some knowledge that some people in this room have not had those experiences. And then vice versa. I'm sure they've had experiences and knowledge that, that I have not. But the point being at, the, at that moment, I was asked to speak on something that I do know. Right. The more I began to realize perfection does not fall into self-confidence and began to realize that, you know, making other people happy and agreeing with me and that wasn't self-confidence. Really what I started to find that self-confidence just meant I accept who I am and I'm willing to give of what I know and then also be able to receive what other people know. But to say, you know, I don't know it all and I'm not going to know it all. And who does know it all? But I know what I know. And I'm going to go out and share what I know in the hopes that it's going to help somebody. Because I know when I go to conferences or just speak with people who I look at as experts, when they say things that I don't know, I'm not. And what I hope is somebody's going to learn something just like I learned something. So part of that self-confidence is that realization, I'm going to keep learning things, but I also need to understand I know things as well. And, and that was really the beginning of, of some of my self-confidence. Right. Thank you. Um, we're just about at the end of our time uh, here today, but thank you for sharing that. I, I think that that um, is w- what you just said it, it is in a, in a way part of that generosity of love is that I'm not going to keep what I do know away from other people and I'm going to have enough sense of myself to get out there and, and share it. It's not None of this is life isn't about being perfect. It's about participating. That's what I'm getting out of what you're saying. Most definitely, and and that was a big shift for me, and then a lot of that came through the meditation because I always had that sense wrapped differently, that it was about perfection, and until I reached that perfection, I needed to keep everything to myself. Right. But well, Chris, thank- <laughs> that's right, nobody is. <laughs> And that's a good thing. So thanks for not keeping yourself to yourself. Thanks for this. Thanks for sharing with us today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh you're you really are a light. I appreciate that you do uh shine your light and you, you get out there and you share with people and and you truly uh bless people. You give a lot of good to people. So thank you. Thank you, Chris, for what you do, for who you are, and thanks for being my guests here today. Thanks for blessing us here on Spirit of Recovery. I'm always glad to have you. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm, I'm always glad to be here and, and I've I've loved the uh talk and then it's always great to, you know, join you in, in your ministry. So keep doing the great works that you're doing. I'm uh, and I love listening to your show. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. And listeners, thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, you're, what, you're what make it possible. So we're just so glad to share with you. And thanks for being here today. And I know you're going to go forward and have a wonderful week and filled with love and confidence. So be blessed. And we'll see you next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. constantly changing world, life and personal values can seem more than a little unstable. Just when you think you have it all figured out, then everything changes. Sometimes life can seem overwhelming. Well, the good news is, you can change your life. You have within you the power to learn how to flow with the changes and smooth out the bumps of life. You can experience the joy, peace, health and abundance you deserve. You were created to be happy and productive. That urge to grow and express yourself was put there for a reason. Learn the spiritual principles that can help you not just to survive, but thrive in this changing world. At Unity, we'd like to help you do just that. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.